0: That's Chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VDW for prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
4: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy.
5: Welcome to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Conley for the Axon Bulletin. And plenty to discuss as always. Welcome to the show, guys. How are you?
6: All good. Thank you.
5: It's been a it's a big few days uh, in the world of Celtic with regards to the, the release of a statement and also the interim results. We spoke yesterday about it. It would be interesting to t- get your take on it. I've seen a lot of the social media um, reaction to the, the interim results, but there's somebody delivering something. I'm not sure if it's, it, who it's to, but, um, so Lawrence, when you're looking at that, really, it was unsurprising, wasn't it? The fact that, yes, there was some losses there, but we, we expected that, didn't we? Yeah, I think, think we've
7: expected that. Uh, you know, we're far from mean but you know, see what we want. like about Peter Law we did kinda of run his financially well. So I think probably fiscally, if we've suffered those losses, there'll be clubs out there have suffered bigger losses in, in proportion to their the turnover. So I, I don't think it's something that we can you know overly worry about. Uh, there's been losses obviously we've already sold Frimpong, we're expecting some sales coming up. We don't know, you know, about this summer and we don't know what other changes are in but yeah. I'm not overly concerned with it but I think maybe most football fans are more concerned with uh, winning on the park than what's on the balance sheet
5: Yeah I mean very early on when we were in the first lockdown we did a a few different podcasts with David Lowe people will remember David from Fergus McCann's time he was Fergus's financial advisor and you know we painted a, a bleak picture of the future in relation to Scottish football but I think David was very realistic in relation to Celtic's future and um, the way that he spoke back then has more or less come to fruition and I guess that when we're looking at it, Natasha, we're looking at how Celtic will recover from losses of 6 million because as Lawrence says, you know, our biggest challenges have had much bigger losses over the last um, number of years, year on year, than what Celtic have had this year and that is in the worst case scenario that we could possibly imagine with no fans going to the games etc so the recovery is what I'm interested in and I'm wondering how big a part of that recovery will be the sale of the biggest assets do you think we will enter a, a period where as much as another three big names will go in the summer
6: unfortunately I think that is how the club will look to balance the books I mean the losses weren't unexpected um, you know one of the club's biggest revenue streams has been cut because of the pandemic Um And naturally, there's going to be a loss. Like Laurence said, like you talked about yesterday, it's not a surprise and it's going to be something felt across the board, not just in Scottish football either. Um, So the losses are there. It's all about how the club look to balance the books. Um, Like Laurence said, the fans are more concerned about what's happening on the pitch rather than off it. But the concern here is that what's happening off the pitch in terms of the revenue loss is going to affect who we actually see on the pitch. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy enough to balance those books by selling a player like um, Edward or Ayer and not replacing them with a player of the same ability as Edward or Ayer. And I think that's probably how the club see a quick fix to, to turn this revenue loss around.
5: The big concern again is, um, you know, in the past we might have brought over a, a promising player like Ayer, uh, who had been identified by Ronnie Dyla uh, with his knowledge in Norwegian football, or we bring someone in like Eduard from an academy in, in France. We won't have that freedom you know when it comes to signing players it's going to be more difficult to sign uh, players from overseas so we're going to have a different market in which to to operate as well Lawrence does that concern you or do you think uh, this more back to basics approach will mean that we're very uh, much more careful in in the way that we sign players? Because in the past, we've brought in a plethora of guys that really haven't made the grade and we've spent a lot of money doing that. Um, Do you think that uh, these forced changes will result in a completely different culture when it comes to recruitment?
7: It's definitely going to have an impact. We've we've just got to make sure we're making the best of of what we have and what we operate in. I don't think the SFA have put their foreign employment rights in order yet or agreed with the Home Office. They they will offered to do the same as the English FA I think and they've knocked that back but they haven't kind of, SFA haven't decided what they're doing. Mm -hmm. For us it will make it more difficult to bring people over you would think but at the same time you know we're operating in Scotland it's going to make it more difficult for everyone we just need to make sure we've got the right structure in place which is part hopefully part of the review. We know the new CEO come in, you know is it going to be a director of football and I I think it can all falls from that and from the scouting you know there are gems out there in the UK or who Who perhaps would qualify for a work permit for the UK
6: Mm
7: -hmm. depending on their international appearances or whatever the criteria is, we just need to make sure we are uh, making the the best of our scouting network and when we identify someone making sure we get the deal over the line uh, making sure we get our first choice targets uh, and get them in early enough that they're bedded in for Europe, don't be signing them after Champions League is gone but I don't be repeating
5: the mistakes of previous years. I'm keen to get onto the comments because there's plenty of Celtic fans looking to air their views, so I will be taking comments via our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube feeds very, very shortly. Something popped up on my Twitter yesterday, and um, you know, Twitter is a funny old place at times. I mean, you, you just shake your head in disbelief at some points and at other points, you know, you're, you're actually literally laughing out loud but someone yesterday says to me that um, we're in such a state I mean, we're referring back to the old uh, remember the 90s territory and I do remember the 90s and I look at both situations from completely different uh, positions and uh, someone compared Albion yeti to Wayne Biggins and the only thing I can say to that is you've you clearly never seen Wayne Biggins playing I, I remember um, his first game at Celtic Park Getting my programme signed by Wayne Biggins So I'm going to have to dig that out uh, Thinking to myself, he's, he's a new striker And um, he's going to be at Celtic for years He was quickly shifted on The reason I bring that up is Our squad back then was, was really in a poor, poor state I think when we look at the squad at the moment If you assess that squad uh, The one thing they're going to be doing And I know what you're saying Natasha It'd be great just to talk about the football But the, at the moment the club was going to be looking at that squad And saying, right, who can we look at as assets to balance the books uh, moving forward and which other players are going to form part of this new Celtic because we are entering a new era I would guess but you were asked the question yesterday Natasha and it it would be remiss of me not to bring this up and you were on the big screen and I saw it myself Um, but you were talking about changing the manager and you can't see a situation next season when Neil Lennon is still in charge now I'm not going to get into the territory of having the Neil Lennon avatar uh, with a big cross through it, I think that you know he needs to be uh, viewed as uh, someone who has given a huge amount to this football club, both in terms of his playing um, career and his management career, but also off the park and everything he's had to suffer. So I don't subscribe to that. But what I would say is, yeah, I do think that we need a new manager. And uh, that was your view yesterday. But the other, the flip side to that seems to be, when I was reading through the chairman's message, I got a sense that we're not going to have these wholesale changes and maybe, just maybe, they're looking at a restructuring in terms of a director of football coming in, but they might want to have that familiarity, that succession planning of having someone who's already at the helm rather than tearing everything up all at one time. Is that a real concern, do you think?
6: It's certainly a possibility. I mean, like you've already touched on, you can appreciate everything Lennon has achieved in the past for the club as a player and a manager, whilst also thinking that it's time for change. Um, those two things are mutually exclusive and you know there's no reason to write off everything he's achieved for the club just because this season hasn't gone as we wanted and because the fans want him to or would have expected him to have stepped down before now. Um I certainly take the view that the club might look for a sense of stability. You know, if we're having um, Dominic Mackay coming in, if there'll be other bigger changes happening around the club, maybe one area of stability is to retain the management team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly, if we're talking about balancing the books and you know looking at the revenue stream, it's certainly the cheapest option. Um, so perhaps they're going to look towards... You know, blaming stability, blaming costs, blaming revenue, and use that as the sort of base for for retaining Lennon for another season. At the moment, I don't think that's out with the realm of possibility. <laughs>
5: Lawrence, you uh, planted that seed in my mind some time ago. You said, you know, uh, I I think there's a real possibility that Neil Lennon will remain as a Celtic manager. What I'm getting a lot of are people who are saying, well, if that's the case, I'm not going to renew my season ticket. And there's quite a few coming through uh, at the moment actually saying that. With regards to that, Lawrence... Going back to something Russell said yesterday, the club really are in a difficult position, aren't they? Because we've got an incoming team from at the very highest point of the club. The CEO is being replaced. Uh, We have or we will have a drive for season ticket renewals. What drives Celtic fans to buy that? Well, there's a huge section of Celtic fans who will buy it regardless of the, the manager. And who the manager is uh, And you've got to respect that But there's also an element There is a section of the Celtic support And I'm not saying they're holding the club to ransom I think Kevin Graham spoke very well yesterday about it Where they're saying Well the only currency you understand Is me renewing my season ticket Therefore I'm not going to do that Until the necessary changes are made The argument to that is you're holding the club to ransom What's your
7: thoughts on it Lawrence? I think it's holding a club to ran- ransom You know what Everybody's entitled to, to spend their money as they see fit. But I think sometimes as fans we go, you know, sign the most expensive player, get the best manager in. We don't, I think Jim Oz speaks well about it, we really don't sit there and do the figures of what that would actually cost the club and if it's going to be financially viable or if it would put the club at risk. Mm -hmm. So, the club's in a hard position, they're they're going to have to balance it. If people don't renew because Lenny's still the the manager, you know, it's entirely up to him but as far as I know the club's got a big waiting list. (laughs) You know, and I, mean, I mean, renewals is going to be hard enough without, with COVID just now anyway, regardless of who the manager is. that if the club could communicate with us better and say, look, this is a plan for the way forward. And understand that a PLC, they can't go into absolutely everything about the business plan, but they could say, look, this is the structure we're going to put in place. We'll review everything again at the end of the season, but more or less a holding statement saying, this is the structure that we're looking at when the new CEO comes in. Just... Some kind of progress, it doesn't have to go right down to minutia, but kind of some hope that things But there's a plan, even if it's to stay the same. But I, I think we what all had a look at it this season and went right. We're not saying our first choice targets, you know, what's scouting doing? Why does the CEO get involved so much with signings that don't go over the line and picking assistant managers and coaches? And why is that not the manager? You Just really tell us how the club's going to function going forward. just, Better communication, would maybe alleviate a lot of the challenges they face. Not it's all of the, them, but you know, a lot of them. The
5: big thing for me with regards to the transfers, Lawrence, and I take a point. You know, first choice. So, who was our first choice goalie, Fraser Foster? Who was our first choice striker, Ivan Tony? Um, I think we wanted Mark McKenzie, and uh, who was the, the big fella, uh, Collie from Sampdoria? We wanted him, and we didn't get any of these players. But you know what? I would flip that and say that the players that we did get you know when you're offering Neil Lennon the the not quite the War Chest but he's bought two 5 million pound players both internationals uh coming in from a very high level of football with you know European experience you should be able to get a tune out of these guys and I think that's what the biggest concern is that yeah they might not have be been our first choice but you know in seasons gone by um, often we've bought players or, or brought players in who haven't been our first choice yet but still managed to have that consistency to still have that game plan and, and still be a success um, and you know sometimes I feel that it, even with Neil Lennon it's almost a default position I mean we look at some of the, the signings that have come in and they're on the bench you know we're bringing in big expensive loan players and they're sitting on the bench and we're hemorrhaging money um, as obviously the interim results have shown what, what we burn in a million pound a month or something like that so you know when you're looking at 62 and a half grand um, on three loanees a week who are sitting on the bench it's all about you know for me if you're going to bring someone in and he's a Uruguayan internationalist and he's he's playing for AC Milan then surely we can get a tune out of Diego Lark So, unfortunately we've not been able to uh, certainly uh, Recently, but I just think you know. I, I said, and we heard that the CEO was retiring, and a new it was the new CEO was coming in, and Dominic Mackay. I was looking forward to fresh ideas, Natasha. I was looking forward to you know not a complete. You know, tearing up of the the Celtic uh, structure, but fresh ideas. And I think we're falling into the trap of uh, recruiting similar types of players of a similar quality. And and unfortunately, what's happened this season is it's proven is that if there's this perfect storm, then you know the whole thing falls to bits. And we don't really have a backup plan. We don't have the stability of a, a youth policy that's producing three or four players that we can call on. Um, and then you're looking at uh, our own use of the, the loan system. Where we maybe have half a dozen guys out there, yet we, we don't really have a first choice right back, so we need to bring in another loan player. That's just bad squad management. So I'm looking forward, Natasha, to a whole review of the way we do things and a freshness of ideas.
6: Yeah, absolutely, and I hope that I hope that takes place. Um, and I think. If the fans were to get some form of communication that that was certainly the intention of the club, you know, if in the summer there is going to be a rebuild, this fresh new start, because things have got stale. I mean, the fans can see it. This has been one season too many for the structure we have in place. Um, it's stale. It's not working. It needs refreshed, um, and that starts from the top down. And we started by replacing Lawwell. Um, the next step would obviously be to replace the management team. The team the- as the number one audio company,
3: iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia media is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
6: The step after that would be to allow that management team um, and the scouting department to refresh the squad. Um, And that's really what needs to happen in the summer if we want to see this fresh new start and these new ideas in place for next season. Um, Whether that will happen obviously remains to be seen, but we're at a stage right now where that does need to happen. And with the 10 in the row not being the objective of next season, it's, it's time to do it. It's time to take, you know, the risks, the rebuild, um, and work towards getting ourselves back to where we want to be next season.
5: I do want to focus on some of the messages coming in, so welcome to the show, P. McKay. You're commenting on YouTube. A full restructure is required. Director of Football with experience and quality to look after the football operation. A fresh manager who can regenerate the team. That takes us on to the subject of the Director of Football. We've already seen quite a few names you know, uh, linked to the club in relation to that position. It does seem as though that is the the kind of road that the club is going to go down. Lawrence Conley, before any change of manager, uh, you need a change of uh, DOF because they're going to be part of the
7: recruitment process. Yeah, definitely. You know, if that's the structure that you're bringing in, you need a director of football because the manager's going to want to know who's what working under or alongside and the director of football. It would be like with a, the UV scout, who seems to have a track record of it, identifying players. He's done it out outside of Italy, wherever he's been. You know, It would certainly be someone that's worth considering. But, you know, if it's the structure we're going to do, it, it, it's not too hard for Celtic to say, look, this is the structure we're intending to bring it in. We're looking at bringing in a director of football, and that's going to be the next appointment, and then we review the whole structure underneath that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wouldn't be a... It's, it's not a why can't they just say that? If that's the plan, you know, or say that's not the plan. It's just crazy. Relax.
5: You know, you know why. You know why I think it is right. And this is uh, tying in with a message coming in from Swansea Ajax S. I think, Uh, or Swansea Jacks, sorry, Swansea Jacks, uh, who says there is no review, never has been, and never will be, smokescreen to shut the rabble up. Natasha, on that point, do you think that this is the review and the statement that appeared on the website yesterday is the response? So we're always talking about the the fact that we want this two-way conversation, we want this engagement. That's exactly what the club think they've done yesterday. That is the communication, isn't it?
6: Yes, exactly. Um, whether there has ever been a review, um, like has been suggested in the comments, I think they're probably hoping to have got away without doing one. Um, I think... Saying that there would be a review was a short-term appeasement um, and they hoped that the results would turn around and they never had to follow up. Obviously, that's not been the case. Um, But what we saw yesterday, I think, is the review and I think it is the club trying to say that they've engaged with the fans. The comments around um, the club being aware of the social media comments of how the fans are feeling, I think, is them trying to signify, look, we've seen it, we've taken it on board, this is our communication with you, um, but that's just really not how it works, um, because we still don't know if that was actually the review. Um, we've got JP, the Celtic SLO, said yesterday that he thought that was the review. Mm. Um, so really, if they're talking about this being the communication we're getting, and you know, it's still so unclear. You know, how, like Loris said, how hard is it to come out and say, yes, this is a review, this is our findings, or we'll follow up in X weeks, or. It's really not hard to get it right, and I don't know why they consistently get these communications
5: wrong. See, the big concern with that, sorry, Lawrence, the big concern with that, as you say, is even spokespeople from the club aren't sure if mm-hmm. that is a response to the review. You know, JP, who, by the way, I think, has got an impossible job at the moment, especially when really? he, tries, he tries to engage, and mm-hmm. it's difficult, you know, for, for JP, so all credit to him. But even, but even he doesn't know what's going on. Lauren, sorry, I cut you off there.
7: You no, know, I was going to say, I mean, if the club could even just get a, a little bit of sophistication about the way they communicate, they could try all these messages out to our fans' group. You know, a late number of people go, listen, what's the reaction to this? But there, there doesn't seem to be kind of any planning of going, right, we'll release this. And they don't expect or seem to have any plan for what's coming back. You know, there's JP, Natasha said, I think it was the review. Well, surely the club's going, well, if, if this is in any way unclear, but it is the review, we can at least come out and go, oh, yeah, that was it. review. But that doesn't seem to be any any planning. We just seem to drop something and see what happens and then react. There's no preemptive plan out, to control the, the narrative, the message, or steer the ship to you know where they want to take it. It's mm-hmm. just, you're going, right, what way is the wind blowing today? Right, this is what we need to do. <laughs> you, you need a, a more professional plan than that i think anyway communication plan and pr plan for an organization like celtic let's be honest it's hard to have an update for celtic to get positive pr in scotland
5: so you know We'll come back to you on that one, Lawrence, because there's another subject to discuss it, and I know that you'll have an opinion on it, but you're absolutely right. It's not as though uh, we're a big business that is uh, basically selling products, or this shouldn't be the way, selling products to a customer base. This is a, a fan base. So you can't simply expect them to turn up because you open the doors Now in in relation to that We've got two ends of the scale And I've seen it on the Axon comments Throughout the last few months Ricky Nohar is coming in on YouTube To say I'll not be reviewing Or renewing any of my four season tickets If Lennon is a manager And that's over £2,200 On the flip side uh, Danny Harvey comes in To say I'll still be going home and away Whether Lennon is here or not But ideally I want him gone And a new manager in And this is the thing it, it's, it's a very divisive subject Natasha and I know you've already put your views across as to what you'll be doing next next season in any case but I think there's enough, there seems to be enough of a voice, there's enough of a notion that there will be a huge drop mm-hmm. in season tickets, I think there would have been in any case because of the, you've hit the tip of the iceberg with, you know, everything that's happened, and there would be a falling off. I mean, you even look at uh, historically how, you know, the attendances dropped off. I think in the first nine in a row that Celtic won, I think after six or seven in a row, the attendances did tend to drop off. I'm not, I'm not sure how accurate the home attendances attendances were back then Lawrence Um, but there was always that fear that that might happen because then you need to have a different bar you know and that's where the strategy comes in Lawrence This, you know your five year plan or your seven year plan comes in Celtic fans aren't quite sure what the three five seven year plan is so does it concern you Natasha the amount of people that are saying I won't be back until the manager changes
6: it does because I think when the sort of downturn and results and the sort of notion that we needed changes started to happen, whether that be in September, October, November, whenever anyone's tipping point was towards the end of last year, it was still relatively rare for people to suggest that they wouldn't renew their season ticket next year. And that notion has grown and grown and grown momentum over the last even few weeks, the last month or so. Um, and to be honest, pubs doing. Um, they're not in you know, they're not taking any ownership for the way that this season is going. Just can telling us that this is acceptable and just put up with it for the rest of the season. Um mm-hmm. And by doing that, they're turning people off even more than they previously were. Um, So I agree. I think there is a growing number of fans who won't be renewing and who think that not renewing is the only way of making the club take action, you know, hitting them where it hurts, the season ticket sale money. And it's creating a real divide among the fans, which I think is really unfortunate to see. I mean, you see on social media, the people who say that they will be renewing regardless, um, you know, then get hounded by the people who think that that's the wrong thing to do because the club won't change. And those who say that they're not going to review are getting accused of of not supporting the club when they need them most. So mm-hmm. it's a horribly divisive issue. Um, and to be honest, I do completely get where both sets of camps are coming from. Um, you know, for me, I've already said I will be renewing next year. Um, I won't change. Of course, we all do. Um, but this this isn't enough to make me give up my, my season ticket. It's not enough to stop me going.
5: Now, Kevin Graham's not on the show today. He was on yesterday. But obviously he must be um, having a break from his working at home regime because he's coming in. And the reason I bring this up is the waiting list. Uh, so that, that's been mentioned quite a lot you know there's there's thousands of people on the waiting list but if you take a cross section of Celtic supporters whether they're on the waiting list or they're currently a Celtic season ticket holder I, I reckon that you'll get the same kind of percentage saying one way or another that they're going to renew or buy um, if Neil Lennon is in charge or otherwise so the waiting list isn't a given so if you've got 17,000 on the on the waiting list it's not a case of well 17,000 season ticket holders don't renew but the waiting list will because you're going to get the same cross-section of people who it's it's so divisive you're going to get the same people who won't buy so i don't think that's a a safety net and i think that's maybe why kevin graham's laughing there as well because obviously there's a lot of people on that waiting list who when they went on to it financially it was a a doable thing now it may not be so that that's a concern as well i'm also looking to speak a little bit about The football, um, because uh, obviously we have a game tomorrow night, so we'll talk about that as well, Aberdeen at home, and you know I keep looking at the the points gap and the goals gap between Celtic and Rangers, Uh, the reason I do that we don't tend to speak too much about Rangers on this podcast, but you've got to if they're ahead of you in the league so you're looking at the points gap and you're looking at that goals gap and you're trying to claw it back and you know that uh, Rangers are scraping results but they'll tell you that's championship winning form we'd do the same if it was us scraping one nothings here and there but you're going into a game uh, tomorrow night I think that's an opportunity Natasha for us actually to get um, a few goals under our belt because I'm not impressed with the way that Aberdeen are playing I'm not impressed, I don't think that they're in a good running form I don't think Celtic are playing particularly well themselves, but at home, I would expect a victory tomorrow night. What's your thoughts on tomorrow night's game?
6: Yeah, actually, you know, I think there has been a bit of an upturn in the performance levels to an extent recently um and obviously coming up against a team like Aberdeen who are going through a bit of a tough patch um as we're trying to sort of ascend in some form. I think it's probably a good match for us um tomorrow night. Depends. I think a bit on the team selection, what formation we go with, how we shape up, um, whether it's two up top, the sort of chances we'll be creating. Um. But yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling good about this one. I think it's probably something that the the club need to get some more points on the board, get another good performance underway, and get some goals in the bag would be ideal. Um, I was a bit concerned after the the St Johnston performance um, the other day. <sighs> But, you know, looking back on it, I accept the pitch wasn't great. It wasn't great Mm. conditions. Not too sure about trying to play Christy off Edward up front. um, But I think at home, you know, we're more likely to see perhaps two up front, go back to that diamond in the midfield um, and create the sort of number of chances that we had been prior to that St Johnston game.
5: The big thing I've seen uh, on the... You know, following up from that game Natasha was. The point that we had Christy, Turnbull and Roger on the same park at the same time all trying to do the same job in effect and it didn't really work Now you look at Christie's performance he was involved in both goals, one of them being a, just uh, obviously his body movement which um, got uh, the St Johnson defenders on the back foot I thought he, he, he done particularly well with that I think mm-hmm. he should retain the jersey and if someone's dropping out I would probably drop Roger out so that we could play the second striker. Is that something that you, you reckon Lenny will do tomorrow night?
6: Um, I think so. Um, you have to look at some of Rogic's stats. His um, impact in the game, the amount of time he's on the ball, is particularly low. Um, he's not having the same impact as other players in the midfield, like you know, McGregor or Turnbull. And we are trying to shoehorn too many similar players into the team, playing a couple of them out of position, not getting the best from them. um you know, Christie had a couple of great moments against St Johnston, but we're not playing him in the position that suits him best. Um, so I just wonder if Lennon will be tempted to put in another striker in up with Edward, be that Griffiths or Yeti. we're not sure. But probably if someone was going to have to come out that midfield, I think it's likely to be Rogic.
5: Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts, Lawrence? I mean, he is a favourite of Neil Lennon, it would appear. But I, I do take the point that you know you get flashes of absolute brilliance you get moments from Rogic that you don't get from anyone else on the park but they are few and far between I mean there's four or five moments in a game yes some of them are game changing moments but I think that um, we are looking for more of an impact and you know I, that was the one criticism I had to the, the team line was the fact that we didn't have two up front hopefully we'll revert to that tomorrow night or is it reverting to type one up front Scott Brown back in the midfield?
7: Uh, hopefully, I'm with you. Go with two up front, get a jetty more game time. See what we can get out of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, three similar players. It, it, it's not really what you need. I suppose decide who it's going to be in your number ten or tip of the diamond who's going to give you the most. They all offered, you know, something different. But uh, Roderick, maybe his work rate and his fitness is you're, you, you're lucky to get a full 90 minutes out of him, aren't you? And it it just seems that he's been that way forever, under regardless of the manager. So. Is Welsh back tomorrow? You know, I know St Johnstone only had one shot on target, but I don't think anyone's particularly confident when Duffy's at the heart of defence. And and it's just some of his basic errors when he's charging up the park and you're going, what what are you doing? Shane, just lay the ball up to the midfield and make sure you're in position in case things break down. And I think maybe he's trying to do too much. I I, I don't know, but hopefully Welsh is back and hopefully it's back to to, two up front.
5: On that point, Lawrence, I mean, I, I was quite vocal about Shane Duffy at, at half-time and I was, I was ready for the backlash because people see it as a, a cheap dig. But um, absolutely, I was looking at the performance of Duffy and I was comparing it to, to Welsh. So tying that in with a point coming in from Tommy R, the wage bill is stupid high. It absolutely is. Now, obviously with the interim results, and we know that Celtic will be in better shape financially than many, if not all of the other clubs in Scotland. It is obviously something that needs to be bucked that trend of losing money and paying out big, big wages on on guys that really aren't contributing to, to Celtic on the park. So let's use Duffy as an example. So you take Duffy out and you bring young Welsh in, I've been very impressed with Welsh. I mean, really, in terms of profile and stature and all the rest, rest of it, what difference is that? I mean, he was going to be on a fraction of the wages. And the reason I ask it, Natasha, is if we feel the same about some of the other players, what difference will it be in developing maybe some of these starlets, some of these younger players that we have brimming under the surface? Are they really going to be that that far and wide away from a massive name like uh, you know an AC Milan player coming in or um, El Yunus? see a former 16 million pound player coming in are they are they really giving you that much more than a young player coming in someone who's already at the club i think welsh is a shining example of that
6: mm-hmm. yeah no i agree and it's definitely something we've touched on before as well is that we're getting to the part of the season where there is not a great deal left to play for um i know there's a few people still holding on to some sort of hope but if we're being honest the league is done um what better chance to give some of the, the young players the experience? Um, certainly using Welsh as the example, why would we continue to play a lone player, regardless of how much he's costing? That money's gone now, that's spent. Regardless of how much he's costing, why would we continue to play and develop a lone player rather than play our own player like Welsh and give him the experience he needs? And like you say, we could probably replicate that across the pitch and um, give some of the younger boys a bit of experience. Um I really don't see the harm in doing that. Um, Last time we talked about it, um, we were criticised that we were still in a battle for second place and that the young boys weren't capable of grinding that out. Um, We certainly saw after the Dubai issue that some of the fringe players weren't perhaps quite ready to step up but we're not asking them to play 90 minutes. Let's give them half an hour here and there, 45 minutes, um, develop them over the course of the next couple of months um, and then have a better idea of what we're working with in terms of the fuller squad in the summer.
5: Mm-hmm. I think the other example would be and, I, and I'm not sure I've got to say I'm not sure if he's the answer but another example would be Conor Hazard you know we bring in a £5 million international goalkeeper um, from a high standard of football who's got European experience yet how much better has he been than Conor Hazard who came through our system who who's on a, a you know an absolute fraction of Barcassie's wages and yes he's lost his place I know he has and we're playing Bane, but You know, the example is similar in relation to, you know, he's not a a far superior footballer than a guy that we've got there. I think the concern would be, Lawrence, if we were to move into a period where, you know, we are bleeding four or five young players into the squad rather than going out and, and buying kind of high profile players that we have been doing over the last, certainly over the last 12 months or so. Would the Celtic fans... Um, accept that if it was communicated to us properly You know we're going through a period of restructuring and rebuilding and part of that is going to be a focus on our youth players do you think as Celtic support we would say well you know what we might not win the, the league next season but long term we're going to be in a much better position would they accept that?
7: I don't think they would accept us saying we won't win the league next season. They might accept that look, this is a strategy of how we're going to try and win the league. We're going to do it by, you know, we're going to stop loan players, for example. We're going to stop that altogether and we're just going to try young players or, or buy players in that we think that we can develop and sell for value. But if you're a cabbie about that with, listen, we don't think we're going to win the league because we're trying this, I, I don't think they would Celtic fans, or the majority of Celtic fans would accept that. Yeah. You know, but certainly, you know, if that's what they want to do, if that was a plan, but at least they would communicate it to us, which would be a welcome change, you know, communication. But but, but all over the part, you can maybe make the argument, you know, you've said Hazard and and Barkas and Duffy and Welsh, you've got Taylor and Laxail. Mm -hmm. we, We know not all transfers work unfortunately. You know, some will work, some won't. You know, Eddie's worked. You know, but we could have developed a young player rather than Eddie, but you know, he's it. I think it's getting the balance, and I think we went too much to the, to the lone player side. Uh, you know, you've I, I think there's just too many in the squad. Now, who knows, maybe that was with a view of what's happened to COVID. We don't want to investment. Maybe they've had a longer-term view and they've just not communicated it. We don't want to be building up a wage bill beyond the end of the, this coming summer because we can free up six wages there. mm mm-hmm. Which as you've touched on is quite a bit. I think Scott Brown's wages will drop if he remains with the club. We've already got El Hamid, who's on about ten grand off the wage bills that there's rumour that the beating's gone. So maybe Celtic already have a plan where the wage bill is is dropping. We've got a number of players coming to the last year of their contract. Eddie, Aya, Christy, Charm's away way out on loan. I you know Christie's not, not in huge money, but Ayer, Charm, Eddie, you know, are, are better paid players. So maybe Celtic do have some kind of forward planning in this that they've just not communicated they can see that they're going to cut their wage bill let's hope they're ahead of the curve and they've just not told us I'm going to bring this
5: point up from Autumn Glow. Uh, Celtic FC website reminds me of Chinese government propaganda pages. Now, that ties in with our headline today, not the review. So thinking back to the 80s, Natasha, bear with us for a moment. <laughs> we're, going, we're going into the realms of uh, 90s kind of Celic das territory. But going back into that, that territory, Celtic fans didn't feel as though they had a voice. And we had the Celtic View, which obviously was was nicknamed Pravda because it was a propaganda vehicle for the club. Uh, you know, even the letters page. I think the board wrote the letters and then responded to themselves and all that kind of stuff. So the fanzine uh, culture was born. It was born because the fans tried to take ownership so that we could communicate amongst them, ourselves as as fans, and and everybody had their favourite. Ming's was not the view. Which I thought was was tremendous. Not only was it tremendous in terms of being um, articulate um, and it educated you on what was going wrong at the club and how to put it right. I mean, you could read issue number one of Not the View, which I still have, thanks to a good friend of the podcast, um, Jim Moore. And in 1987, the people who were writing and editing Not the View were telling us that this club has to be a PLC. This club has to go public. We have to have a share issue. We need to build a stadium. And as a young football fan who wanted to read about Paul McStay and Frank McIverney, you were reading this thinking, wow, there's real trouble at the club. But they were telling you this in 1987. And it wasn't obviously until 1994 that that all came to fruition. But that was the the voice of the fans. And obviously not the view, the alternative view and others still publish paper copies to this day which I find absolutely astonishing brilliant um, but another way of being able to discuss and debate and share information is obviously on on this platform on the podcast on broadcasts it's basically bringing it up right up to date using the um, the tech that you have available to you but often what happens is you know back in the day, they would want to know about these movements so there was the saver Celts movement and that was followed eventually by Celts for change and you know they were pivotal these street movements were pivotal and change at the club so they they were really um, seen as a voice of the fans now I don't think podcasts are seen as the voice of the fans. What I think they do, though, is they do give fans a platform to air their views, which is all important. And what we've seen this season, Natasha, is that some mainstream channels then want to hear the views of the fans, so they ask you to speak. And then the flip side of that is there's almost this revisionism as though The fanzines back in the day would never have done that, you know, or the movements back in the day wouldn't have done that. That simply isn't true because I've got broadcasted um, shows that were uh, on mainstream channels back in the day where these people who were pivotal to the movements were being interviewed and all over the newspapers. And it is a way of getting a view across. So I don't agree that you should never speak to the mainstream media because what you're actually doing is you're using them as much as they're using you to try and get a view across because what we've been talking about all season the fact that the club doesn't listen well there's far more of a likelihood that they will listen if you're on a mainstream channel and you're on a loop and you you can see it on the big screen so Natasha you were one of those uh, Celtic podcasters who ended up on the big scene yesterday. And there's always a fallout. And I think, I, I don't know what you would say the percentage is, but you do get criticised for for doing that. And you get called all sorts for doing that. But I think it is an, an important way of being able to put a message across that the, the fans aren't happy. I mean, yeah, some mm-hmm. people decide that they want to put a banner outside the stadium and outside Lennox Town, and that's great other people think that you know you, you use a platform to put your voice across to a much wider audience and often the club will be aware of that rather than does the club tune into a Celtic state of mind at 12.30 every day? I don't know I mean you know, it's difficult to get your point across and I know that uh, people have been writing to the chairman and we'll get on to him in just a second or two but what's your thoughts on that utilising all forms of media um, to put your point across as a Celtic supporter Natasha?
6: Yeah, well, firstly, I think the club maybe should tune into a Celtic state of mind at 12.30 every day because then they might actually be in touch with how the fans feel. Um, But touching on your point about using the mainstream media, I think that's exactly the right word, using it. Um, We have a point to get across. Um, The fans feel a certain way and we can use this podcast to discuss it um, and to talk about how the fans feel and what we want to see and the change we want to see happening. this podcast is also fantastic. You know, views of 1.2 million in January is incredible. Um, but to reach a wider audience and to spread their message, to spread their word, we've got to use the mainstream media um, to reach that audience and to, to promote the message and hopefully bring about the change that we're trying to achieve. Um, like you said, the, the club perhaps don't look through the Twitter pages of their fans. They don't look at the podcasts. They don't read some of the magazines that are still being printed And if using the mainstream media in the way that we are to promote our message um, helps achieve that and helps make the club sit up and take notice, then then good. And you know what? If people say it won't make a difference and it doesn't, then equally, you know, fine. But we're doing what we can um, and we're doing in the way that we think is the best. um, And... I think the majority of people do agree with that. Um, you know, following yesterday's interview, I'd say the message is, you know, ninety-five percent been really positive, really supportive, um, and grateful to to everyone out there who's who's reached out and, and sent a message and you know, just a bit of communication. Um, it's been great. The five percent um I mean it is what it is, isn't it? We're all used to it and it doesn't affect any of us in the slightest. We're more than happy for people to, to disagree with what we're saying and disagree with their opinions on football, but talk to us about it. Happy to happy to have those debates.
5: Mm, and get involved in the chat um, On Axon because it is always busy I'm going to throw this one over to yourself uh, Lawrence Hugh Jameson Whose name pops up on the comment section Quite regularly so welcome to the show um, And he reckons That the club needs freshened up Across the board, now quite literally uh, I would actually highlight the word Board here Lawrence because obviously We've had the chairman's message and Kevin Graham Who's a, 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 an absolute Living and breathing self 24 hours a day was surprised that bank here has is, is been in post for ten years at the club, and you, you often, you know, there's there's two real um, figures at Celtic that you think are the decision makers, and and of course they are, and Dermot Desmond and Peter Lowell That's soon to change, but I, I do feel that there are there are faceless entities on the Celtic board. Is it about time we freshened that up as well?
7: I think definitely. I mean, David Lowe was on here talking about that. Just, it appears now just the board appears to be jobs for the boys. They don't appear to be holding a CEO to account or major shareholder to account. Anything, you know, at that level can become stale. And, you know, I don't think we've got people of gravitas or like John Reed when he used to be on it, like him or Logan. I think he's right. It, it needs freshened up. David's touched on it, David Lowe, from a corporate governance point of view, it definitely needs freshened up. So I don't know how we're going to achieve that. But, you know, uh, I think the Dermot's obviously get the most shares and in. the, the institutions the insurance or pension institutions that hold other shares tend to go with Desmond because they're just looking for returns, let's be honest, and uh, I think he definitely knows how to get a return on the financial markets. So C- Celtic Trust is a good way to start building you know, uh, A body of shares that a fan mm-hmm. owned. I know that was Fergus. He's, when he sold up, that was his vision, wasn't it? It was never going to be controlled by one in, individual.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: And thought we needed another share issue. It wasn't fully taken up, and Desmond came in and took up the slack, which was good, you know, because it, it, it needed taken up. But we're back to again, a kind of situation where we've got more or less one person in charge. I think well, it was about 30% of the shares he owns, and is more or less the one person in charge of the club. So, yeah, freshen up the board, the Celtic Trust, again, you know, fans investing in shares. I I think it's all positive Mm -hmm. for the future. I'm going to
5: bring this point in from Facebook. Unfortunately, your name doesn't uh, show up on the avatar, but thanks for getting involved. The fact is, most of our youth players aren't good enough. Now, actually... I think we are producing good enough talent Uh, and when you look at some of the amount of clubs that are coming in and taking some of these players from us like Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers, Bayern Munich it seems to be uh, an ongoing Uh, the recent one I read was Angelini the goalkeeper uh, the grandson of David Hay You know there was interest from clubs like Lazio, Juventus, Roma interested in taking a Celtic youth player so I think we are producing them I think there comes a point and I don't know exactly when that point is and I've spoken to a lot of youth coaches uh, on Axom and various other shows there comes a point where that development kind of stops and they don't have that ability to go from the kind of pro youth into the first team so they're looking elsewhere for that and you know you've got clubs elsewhere who might be able to offer you under 23 football and you know we've actually we've benefited from that because we've plucked players from under 23 squads and, and they've been able to transition into the Celtic first team. So how much of a focus do you reckon, Natasha, is going to be on Lennox Town? It is going to be uh, on the youth that we are producing, but I don't think we're getting the fruits of our own labour.
6: That's exactly it. Um, we all know that Brexit is going to make things difficult, You know, particularly in the market that Celtic operate in. We're looking for those more obscure European players from more unknown territories and you know we're not going to be taking players from, from the top leagues and we're not going to be taking Spanish and French and German internationalists that's you know not the sort of market that Celtic are operating in you know post Brexit with the new point system that's going to come into place the sort of player that Celtic usually be looking to get in are the ones that are going to be more difficult to get in so that in turn might change our business model slightly and it might make us focus more on Lennox Town and the development of our own youth players and um, you're right, I think we are producing some good players. You know, you just look at where they're then going to. The problem is the ones that are reaching the level that we'd want to then start bringing into the first team want to go somewhere else Um, unfortunately for some reason whatever it is the ones who are making the grades don't want to stay at Celtic Um, and the club need to have a good think about what they can do to make Celtic an attractive enough opportunity for these youth players not to start looking down south not to look to Lazio or Germany or wherever they want to go and further their career we need to make staying at Celtic look like the best option for their development and for their career
5: no, you're, you're spot on with that because not that long ago we were enticing young players from other clubs to come to Celtic so um, you know, you're know you looking over the years we've done it with AC Milan we've done it with Arsenal and now it looks as though we're on the receiving end uh, young talent uh, leaving a club and no one can say who's going to make it all the players that are leaving I mean uh, another one obviously was Aaron Hickey who eventually left for Italy but uh, I think Celtic made about three or 400 grand off that move incidentally because they had the foresight to put in the clause um, now it is a concern for me, I also think that it's in the best traditions of Celtic to rear youth players and uh, there are a few in the side at the moment Um, I'm hoping that Mikey Johnson gets more game time so that he can start becoming part of that, a pivotal part of that team, a member of that side after his injuries Um, I'm going to bring this up from Facebook, 20 grand's worth of season tickets will go if the Cano Foundation don't get the funding, please if you can support them, they are not the board yes they are and they have been fundraising due to the fact that uh, obviously the normal big fundraisers during the year haven't been um, allowed to go ahead because it would involve people actually being in the same room as each other to raise some cash for the Kano. they're a great foundation, we've had Erin on the show previously and also they were part of our charity fundraiser back in December, so you can find them on Twitter, Facebook and on their own website and if you are able to add to the fundraiser, please do so because they want to renew all their season tickets, even on on the uh, on the off channel that we won't be able to get back into the grounds. They want to renew all the tickets. They do some great work for kids who may not otherwise be at Celtic Park, and that's important. Now, Lawrence, I know that you've been sitting there like a coiled spring waiting for me to ask you about Nicola Sturgeon yesterday. Um, Now, there's been a lot of uh, talk in relation to the response to what she was saying in relation to coronavirus, Scottish football. She doesn't care if it's Celtic or Rangers. Do you think there's consistency in the message? Do you think there's consistency in the action from the from the Scottish Government?
7: No, d- definitely not. Uh, I mean, she said this time she's going to have to, to wait to get all, all the detail. And even if we just look at the last, well, not the last Rangers party, not the one at Christmas that's not really hit the papers, but the one before that, the one that wasn't Arfield's birthday party, but it was on his birthday, the Scottish Government were able to give a statement first thing the next morning. So they must have, you know, they have all the information overnight, but they can't get it this time over two nights, we have to wait before we make a further statement because we don't have all the info. So, is information gathering slowed down? I I, I don't know. I definitely don't think uh, that there's any consistency when they're dealing with it. I think it's three parties Rangers have had. You know, Stevie G and his assistant broke the rules the first day. They played a bounce game before Tess had been back before the season kicked off. The Scottish Government don't see me uh, becoming hit down as hard. but Obviously, I'm looking at it from a point of view as a Celtic fan, but I, I don't see any consistency on it at all. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Is it up to 10 players, allegedly, at the, the latest party?
5: I think yesterday, the big thing yesterday was Nicola Sturgeon appeared uh, on the screen whilst we were doing the broadcast so I wasn't able to comment with any uh, real information at that point then it became pretty clear that the comments were coming in trying to wind me up with what she was saying so I couldn't go with that I've had my chance to, to have a look at our comments and I think what is pretty clear is she is talking about privilege, isn't she? She's talking about the privileged position that footballers find themselves in and the abuse of that privilege now, obviously, you know, there's been comments this season, Natasha, from Peter Lowell saying that Celtic have been hit hardest by COVID. I don't, I don't agree with that. I've got to say I don't agree with with that. Yeah, we have been hit. We've been hit really hard with uh, players catching the virus, players abusing the system and, and the club have been hit with, uh, you know, games that we've not yet played. I mean, tomorrow night's game is one of them. So in relation to all of this, do you feel that there has been a consistency in the response and in the message that we're getting? from the Scottish Government?
6: I have to agree with Lawrence, actually. I'm not really sure there is. I mean, Celtic went on a pre-authorised trip to Dubai. Um, We've talked about it before. We don't agree with it. We think it was abusing the privilege. We've recognised that. But that pre-authorised and legally permitted trip to Dubai was looked upon by certain people, including the government, as being significantly worse than any of the other COVID breaches we're seeing from other teams across the country. Um, So why has that trip and why has the Bolingoli incident been treated as so much more serious than anything else we're seeing coming through? Um, I mean, when Bolingoli broke the rules, which we obviously were all furious about and still are, you know, we had, you know, Nicola Sturgeon come out and saying, you know, this is yellow card any more times and it'll be a red card to Scottish football. Mm-hmm. And since that, we've seen other clubs commit breaches of the the protocols and the guidelines. And we're not seeing language com- coming across that strongly. You know, we're not seeing the same level of condemnation. And in fact, Celtic's legal trip to Dubai received more condemnation from the government than any of the other breaches by other club hats. So... I do agree with Lawrence to an extent. I do think it is a bit concerning um, and a bit unfortunate for Celtic. But, you know, we have to just look at our own house. We have to get our own house in order. We have to make sure that we're complying in every way that we can. Um, And that's all we can focus on, really.
5: You brought up a name there, Natasha, and you gave me a vision of the future. Bolling Golly at left back, Bayo up front with Klamala, Leo Connor at right back and Jack Kendrick at centre half. Is that going to be Celtic next season? Who knows? Would they have done any worse than this season? Um, (laughs) A couple of points. uh, One in from Gary, which I think is only fair to bring up. Gary Fairweather on YouTube. I thought it was a breath of fresh air seeing Natasha on Sky Sports yesterday. I would rather hear her view than Walker or Nicholas or even me probably at the end of that as well and Hugh Jameson if not for constructive criticism and fan protest Celtic would have gone down the tubes I think that's important to remember that Lawrence, you know, people um, for for a spell there when we were being very critical of the club and we were being very critical of Neil Lennon. I mean, we can't uh, hide behind that. That's exactly what we were being on. Axon. people were critical because they felt that if you criticise a club, then you're not a true Celtic supporter. There was this view that you know you were part of the problem. I think it's important to highlight anything that you're unhappy with as a Celtic football fan. Well, I don't
7: think you can be uh, sycophantic about anything in life, can you? You know, you've got to call it as you see it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. What we don't call out the bad when we see
1: it—that
7: that can't be right. And if people say that, listen, you you that's, you see something that's bad and you're not allowed to call it out, you know, you're going to get down the roots of fascism if that's how they kind of conduct our thoughts and our comments. We're not allowed to call something out if we think it's bad. That where's it going to end up then? You know, for for me, I, I think you know, I don't always agree with you eh, quite often, but. You know, it's a difference of opinion, isn't it? You know, we're allowed to debate it, we're allowed to mm-hmm. call things out and call as we see it. We're not asking people to agree with us, you know. Just because you listen or you fall Celtic, we don't all have to have the same opinion, you know. And hopefully, you know, kinda it's that uh, breadth of opinion that, that adds a bit to the to the club.
5: I think it is, Lawrence, and obviously uh, Natasha hasn't really had to split up any fights between the two of us for a while. But uh, I'm (laughs) going to ask you this question. Merafcheck25 comes in to say, Mr Desmond needs to assure fans Celtic FC will be the priority over Celtic PLC. Uh, We've seen some of the banners uh, using the PLC, obviously. Uh, What was it? Um, Lies and charlatans, what was the first word? I forget. Um, But they have obviously been targeted in relation to some of the criticism, most of the criticism... Throughout this season uh, Focusing on Celtic FC We're really looking at What do they, what does the club mean to the supporters And let's re-engage with the fans I mean we've said all season Natasha How easy it is to engage with supporters And we're mm-hmm. failing I mean I honestly believe yesterday's statement from the chairman They would have thought brilliant That's us now communicating with the fans And they think that's how you do it That's how out of touch they are With the here and now isn't it
6: that's right. Um, and that's not communication. Again, it's a one-sided statement. And if they'd really been listening, what the fans are saying is that we don't want these one-sided statements. We want some proper engagement. Um, I think the fans need a bigger voice. Um, I think we need some more representation at a higher level. Um, how we'll achieve that you know, remains to be seen. But there's ways of doing it, um, and we need to utilise that because we do need to be heard, listened to, and have our points taken On board accordingly, you know, we're the the fans are the ones who are representing the interests of the football club. You know, the board are in their position to to ensure that the PLC runs efficiently. And of course, the football club following from that, the ones with the football club's best interests at heart are the fans. um, And that needs to be more represented
5: yeah I mean I I do agree with that and I think that there are suggestions that um, you know fan representation for example is uh, key to Celtic going forward so we'll see how that develops we've spoken a wee bit about youth Maravczyk again comes in with a great point and by the way Mravchuk you're not one of my favourites it's just you've made two really good points Uh, Bayern have a pathway via Bundesliga B for youth progression properly we know we don't have that we've been pushing to try and get the Celtic Colts into the pyramid system I think it's the only way now for youth to to progress in Scottish football uh, at clubs like Celtic, Rangers, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, uh, Dundee United even, because there will never be a return to the reserve league. There's no going back to that. It was too costly for the majority of the the, the teams and I don't think we will go back to it. But one player that we did produce, Lawrence, and he came through the ranks and he was a fantastic talent and it looks as though he's an up-and-coming talent in the world of coaching is Sean Maloney. And Sean Maloney has impressed a lot of Celtic fans over over the piece. And you'll remember going back to October when I did actually tip him uh, as a future Celtic coach alongside Roberto uh, Martinez, but we'll say that as a caveat underneath that. Um, with regards to Maloney, do you see him being part of a future Celtic?
7: Yeah, definitely. I think he's got a lot to offer. I tell you what, even if he was just to come com- on board and do the communication... Because he's communicating online and the insight he gives and the, the depth and the way he relays his messages is, is miles better than the way Celtic are communicating just now. But he's highly, highly rated. Why wouldn't he come back? Uh, I believe he still lives uh, in the Glasgow area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's at Belgium. Number one ranked team in the world. Working with some great players. But, but it's got to be somebody that's in Celtic thoughts. He, he's got a relationship there. He's a Celtic supporter. Why wouldn't he, you know, well, why aren't the club finding out if it's part of his aspirations to come back? Because he it, it, it was at a club for a while and it's it part of the coaching system. Mm-hmm. So surely the club are having these conversations and going, well, Sean, you know, what's your plans for the future? As we should be doing with, you know, a, a number of people, we should never be uh, starting from zero. We, when we come to plan the structure of a new management or new coaching, we should be aware of people out there that are interested in joining and are looking for a move. So is that, uh, you know, we're getting the best available, you know, but I love, yeah, short
5: sure to come back, short answer, yeah. The big thing that I've, I've noticed is people are saying, well, he is, although he's working with Belgium, who are the number one nation in, in world football, he's untested in terms of standing out on his own so a lot of the kind of feedback I've been getting is that they would like Sean Maloney but they would also like to have someone alongside him someone who's the Mm -hmm. figurehead and uh, when you're thinking of Sean coming in Natasha, you know, if we were to employ a Ronnie Dyla type appointment from elsewhere uh, there might be a bit of panic, I think, from Celtic fans because you're entering the unknown the same could be said with Sean Maloney because of his lack of experience but the fact that we know him uh, and uh, we're familiar with Sean Maloney duties Celtic connections it may actually go down a lot better Uh, do you think Celtic are thinking along these lines do you think that uh, we might be bringing someone like Maloney back in is there any plan
6: it would, it would be negligent if we weren't thinking about it. Um, I'm absolutely sure those conversations must have taken place. You know, Sean Maloney's still in and around Glasgow. He's appearing on sports scene. He's doing the commentary before our games. You know, the club must have talked to him. So if he is interested, he must be on the list of people who can perhaps come into the club. Um, like you say, if we are going to take a risk with a Ronnie Dyla type appointment, then that would... Certainly, you know, appease the fans if we were to bring someone like Maloney in alongside with them, because the response, you know, you've seen to Maloney online and on the forums has been universally positive. He's working, like you say, with one of the best teams in the world, and he comes across excellently. Um, he's meant to be a very good coach, so you know that coupled with perhaps a risky Dyla-esque appointment, perhaps isn't the worst idea for the for the club going forward next season. And I certainly would like to see them bring Maloney in in some capacity.
5: And we already know what he can do. He's been at the club, as has Damien Duff. We know how they operate, how they coach, what their their whole uh, mentality is, their philosophy on football. Will McMillan, get Maloney on, please. I think you mean on the podcast. He did do a Celtic podcast when he was on the coaching staff so you'll be able to dig that out Well, if you want to think about his football philosophy I'll ask the question you can only ask you never know we do have a few Celts lined up over the next couple of months as well so keep tuning in to Axom and to ensure that you don't miss any episodes just subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, set your notifications on and they will remind you whenever we're live but we we'll also put out pre-recorded interviews as well it's been an interesting uh, discussion as always and we've had loads of great comments coming in from YouTube Facebook and Twitter so thanks for getting involved the only thing for me to say is thank you once again Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind
3: not just a media company iheart media is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
2: sports social podcast network 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 sports social podcast network